Well, we're going to come to our time where we open God's word to us, and we're really fortunate to have Jonathan Bailey from Catron Baptist Church who will be speaking to us. And our passage this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 27, 45 to 56. If you've got a Bible, do open it up to you. And we've got Josie who's going to read that passage to us. Thank you, Josie. The death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemeth Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of, the, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the, the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Josie, for reading that out. And I'm going to invite Jonathan uh, Bailey now. And uh, just before you speak, Jonathan, uh, it's wonderful to have you uh, join us uh, this morning. And uh, maybe just before you speak, I'll, I'll pray for you. As, as you speak and explain that passage you just heard read out. But I wonder, would you just be able to maybe introduce and uh, tell us a bit about uh, what's going on maybe at CBC too? Thank you. Great to be with you again. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm married to Jill. We are blessed with four daughters. Uh, I'm old enough to have had the vaccine, but young enough to still be sort of feeling the effects of it. Is that enough? That's, that's, a, that's a wonderful explanation. I'm sure we could do that. And uh, is there, how, sort of, we know we, we have a great partnership with uh, you in the, the Valley with Catron Baptist Church. And we, we meet with the Baptist Church on, on a couple of occasions throughout the year. Is there, is there something that we can pray for as, as Oakal Church for uh, the Baptist Church? Thank you. I mean, obviously, challenges uh, similar to the ones that you have been facing, continue to face, been really encouraged. I think, I think Zoom is a great thing. We can get kind of Zoomed out, we talk about that, but actually it's a huge blessing to be able to do things that we certainly wouldn't be able to have done otherwise. Uh, you know, last week we had a, a men's event over Zoom, which I think some of you guys joined us in last night. We had a quiz night, we're obviously doing everything online as well, so we're so uh, blessed by that. I think I'm so encouraged as well that um, even when we're challenged and we are perhaps limited in what we can do, we know that God is at work. There's those words of the Lord Jesus who said that you know, the farmer sows the seed, he goes to bed, 
does nothing, basically. And in the morning, he discovers that the plants are growing. And we trust that God is at work, uh, hopefully through some of the things that we're still able to do, uh, but despite our inability to do things at times. And I'm sure that is good for us. It humbles us, recognizes, it helps us to recognize it's, the, it's God who, who does the work. So I'm sure in terms of prayer, you know, it's the same as for you guys, that we'll continue to reach out as best we can within the community with the good news of the Lord Jesus, and that we will be living adverts. I will be a living advert mm. for him. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, let me pray. Let me pray now as we come to God's word. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jonathan. We thank you that he's with us this morning. We thank you for what he's prepared. And we pray that now as he comes to explain that passage of you, Lord Jesus, as you hung on that cross, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would equip Jonathan, strengthen Jonathan uh, for this task now. We pray for us listening. We pray that we would have open ears and open hearts to receive what you have to say. And we do thank you for Ketchum Baptist Church, we thank you for that partnership, and we pray that as churches in this town of Ketchum, this town that we really love, uh, full of neighbors that we love, we pray that we would both be churches that have a real heart and passion for living as those uh, disciples of the Lord Jesus. We pray that we may uh, live for him, that we would be that walking advert, and we pray that we might share that good news of Jesus that brings hope and life to us. And so we pray that we might be able to see uh, people in this town, Lord, hearing and responding to that news of the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, bless us now as we hear from your word. Amen. Thanks, Dan. Do uh, have that passage open when you, that um, we had read for us just a few moments ago. I've got a question for us. What have you achieved in your life? What have you achieved in your life? I know it's a kind of sobering question, perhaps. It can be a little bit depressing. What have I achieved in my life? What will my legacy be? Now, it's a privilege for me and for others down at the Baptist Church to join you recently in giving thanks for the life of Dave Hughes. Our thoughts and our prayers have been very much with you these last few weeks. Now, Dave left quite a legacy, didn't he? His life of service, it achieved so much. And I'm sure many of you are thinking, but he could have given so much more. Why was he taken so soon? Well, let's take heart because many people have said exactly the same things uh, about the Lord Jesus. He was only in his 30s. He was showing so much promise. He was transforming people's lives. He could have achieved so much more. Why did he have to die so young? Well, last week, you'll remember, I'm sure, that Phil used the word irony. When something is different, perhaps even the opposite of what it seems. Well, Jesus' death seemed such a waste. It seemed to come far too soon. But the message of our passage this morning is that the reality is the opposite. It was at the moment that Jesus died that he achieved everything that he'd come to do. Jesus came from heaven in order that he would die. That is what the Bible says. 
And don't get me wrong, he did loads of good stuff, didn't he, in his life? Everything that Jesus did was good. He loved people, he healed the sick, he gave sight to the blind, he stood up for the vulnerable and the abused. His teaching was amazing. He set a perfect example. He did all of these things, and every one of them was good. But without his death, all of those things that he did would have ultimately meant absolutely nothing. So Easter, we don't just celebrate Jesus' resurrection. We celebrate Jesus' death. Maybe if it's the first time you've come across Things from the Bible, that might seem a little bit strange. Well, let's have a little look at what Jesus achieved when he died. Three things. First, he diverted God's judgment. I don't know if you've seen, I'm sure, on the news, some of the terrible forest fires uh, that have been taking, happening in different parts of the world. In Australia last year, for example, they, they sweep across, don't they, destroying everything in their path. Sometimes, when they see the fire coming towards a town, firemen can, if they've got the opportunity, they can deliberately set fire to a patch of land in a controlled way between the fire, the raging forest fire, and the town. And when the fire comes towards the town, because that piece has been burnt beforehand, the fire stops or it gets diverted in a different direction and the people in the town are saved. Well, that's a little bit like what Jesus did. He took upon himself the fire of God's anger against humanity so that people would be saved. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 45 here at the beginning of our passage. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Now, I should warn you, uh, what happened on that day in those moments when Jesus hung on the cross, there were some supernatural things, miracles, if you like. But that doesn't mean, of course, that we shouldn't believe them. If there is a God out there who created and who rules over everything, I would be pretty disappointed if he couldn't do impossible things. What kind of God would that be? So, there was darkness, and there was darkness for three hours until the moment that Jesus died. And darkness, if you know your Bibles, it signifies God's judgment, his anger, one of the ten plagues in Egypt, for example, was a plague of darkness. When Jesus was hanging there on the cross, God was angry. Now, you'd think he would, he'd be angry, wouldn't you, with all these people who'd contributed to Jesus' death, or maybe against people like you and me, who've ignored God so much in our lives and pushed him out of our lives. I mean, we're the ones, aren't we? that deserve God's anger. But that's not where God's judgment was directed on that day. Verse 46 says, Just before he died, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Now, what hurts the most? Is it when somebody who hates you says something nasty about you? Or is it when your friend seems to turn their back on you? Well, Jesus was used to his enemies being horrible to him. But what hurt the most was when his own father forsook him. Not that it was a surprise to Jesus. We've seen all along that he did this deliberately. He knew exactly what he was doing. At this moment, he's quoting the words from Psalm 22 earlier in the Bible, just showing that he was fulfilling everything that had been prophesied about him. When Jesus died, he diverted God's judgment. He became the atoning sacrifice out of love for you and for me. He bore the full force of God's anger against sin. He paid the price. Now that is one amazing thing. But there's more in our passage. The moment Jesus died, the door to God was opened. Now look again at verse 50 here. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, if you're watching this on a film, this is the moment where the camera kind of pans away from the scene of Jesus' death outside of the city walls and comes inside to the temple without any particular or apparent explanation in the passage that we've read. But Matthew's readers, they were mostly Jewish, and they would have understood what was going on here. Inside the temple was the uh, Holy of Holies, the place where God was said to live. And between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple was this thick curtain. So thick, about the width of my hand, that it might have been seen as a, as a wall. And anyone who went in there, except the priest was allowed to go in under certain conditions just once a year, but anybody else who tried to get into the Holy of Holies died. They couldn't come into the presence of God. He is perfect. He is pure. He is holy. It's a bit like kind of getting too close to the sun. Anyone who comes too close to God is destroyed. So the curtain, therefore, this curtain down the middle, it was a warning. No entry. Be careful. But the moment that Jesus gave up the spirit, he didn't just die, he gave up his spirit. The curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you see what that means? The door to God has been opened. Anyone can now come near to God because Jesus died. Because Jesus paid the entry price, that means the no entry sign has been dispensed with. It's gone. Now, a few days before Jesus died, he, he was having a chat with his, his disciples outside of the temple. And he said then that one day this temple would be gone. It just wouldn't be needed anymore. And about 40 years later, the literal temple was destroyed by the Romans. 
But on the day that Jesus died, that was the day when the temple became unnecessary because God was no longer confined to a small room. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to find God. He's here. He's amongst us. And by trusting in the death of Jesus, you and I can be friends with the God who made us. Because because Jesus himself took the punishment that we deserve, we don't have to be scared of God anymore. His fire can't touch us. We're surrounded by his love. At that moment that Jesus died, he diverted God's judgment and he opened the door. But there's one more thing here in our passage. Look at verse 51 again. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Now, this is especially weird, isn't it? But what it tells us is this. Because Jesus died, God's holy people, those who give their lives to Jesus, we can be certain, we can be certain that we will one day be raised from the dead, from the death, from, from dead. None of us are here forever. We're all going to die. I, I trust that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody. But the moment Jesus died, he guaranteed that his people will one day be resurrected. Now, I, I'm not sure about the detail of what happened to these bodies on the day that Jesus died. I don't know how many there were. I don't know what they looked like. I don't know how long they lived afterwards. Verse 53 suggests that this may not have actually happened until a couple of days later when Jesus was raised. The detail in here doesn't matter. We're not told that. The point is that when Jesus died, dead people came back to life. Think of it like this. In the autumn, I planted some bulbs in my garden. Nothing happened for five months. But now, there are loads of daffodils for me to look at when I'm doing my washing up. Now, I don't really know how a dead bulb can turn into a lovely flower. All I know is that when I put that bulb into the hole in the ground, I was confident. I was sure that that wasn't the end of the story. But there would be no flowers if I'd not put the bulb into the ground. And that means that when holy people die, people who love Jesus, people like Dave Hughes, people like my dad who also died with COVID last year, When holy people die, we can be absolutely certain that one day they will rise again, just like the flowers in the garden. And all because Jesus died that day on the cross. Now, Jesus died on a Friday, good Friday. And why is it good? Because on that day, he diverted God's judgment for my sin 
On that day, he opened the way for me to come to God. On that day, he showed that one day I will be raised to life with him forever. Now, it wasn't just for me, of course. It was for everyone, everyone who believes. So what does all this mean for us today? What do we do if we receive something good? What do we do? Well, who knows? Maybe some of you, in the next few days, you might receive, for example, a nice chocolate Easter egg. And what are you going to do with that? Just put it on the side and look at it for a couple of years? Well, I think I'm going to eat mine. What are you going to do with the good things, these amazing things that Jesus did for you when he died? Well, let's have a look briefly at what the people did on that day. Let's see what we can learn from them. First, there were these people standing there in verse 47. When Jesus cried out, they said, he's calling Elijah. They they got a sponge, they dipped it in some wine vinegar, they put it on a stick, and they offered it up to Jesus on the cross. And they said, now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. These people were mocking Jesus. They were laughing at Jesus. They thought it was funny. Do you think it was funny? They didn't realize the irony that Jesus was dying because of his love for people just like them. But we know, we've seen it this morning, we've just seen that Jesus took God's judgment. He's offering us forgiveness. He's promising eternal life. Is anyone here going to laugh at that? And if you're watching this morning, are you going to laugh at that or ignore it or reject it? Well, we all have a choice, don't we? We can thank Jesus for taking the punishment that we deserved. Or we can push it away. And basically, when we do that, we're saying that we will take that punishment ourselves. Now, please don't do that. What Jesus suffered, what you can see even of Jesus' suffering on the cross, well, that's just a, a taster of what you will suffer if you die without Christ. So come. Come to him now. Well, who else was there? Well, let's look at verse 54. When the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified, exclaiming, surely he was the Son of God. Now, these are Roman soldiers. They they crucified plenty of people. For them, this was just another day at work. But it wasn't every day that the sky went black for three hours. It wasn't every day that the ground shook. It wasn't every day that there was an earthquake. This was properly scary. And these Roman soldiers, well, they were as tough as they came. And they didn't usually believe in God. But that changed on the day that Jesus died. All of this stuff going on around them, they knew that they were in the presence of God. And they were terrified. Now, if we're on Jesus' side, we don't need to be terrified of God. But we should treat him with the awe, with the respect 
that he deserves. You remember what uh, Mr. Beaver said about Aslan in the Narnia stories when Susan asked whether he was safe. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. Now, God is so good, but he's not safe. We must all respect him, even if we're on his side. You really don't want to be on the other side. Now, I'm sure you've seen, if you watch the film, what Aslan did to the White Witch. Well, that is what God will do to his enemies. Well, the last group of people in our reading were the women. Verse 55, they had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, this is very personal, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. They were there on that day that Jesus died. They were watching from a distance. How were they feeling? They were sad. They were grief-stricken. They loved Jesus. They'd always been there for Jesus. They'd left their homes and their families to care for Jesus. And now, in his agony on the cross, they could do nothing. They were heartbroken. They didn't understand that Jesus was only doing what he came to do. He told them that he had to die. They should have known that. They, they'd forgotten. But God, in his, his great love, he would forgive them for that. Well, we've come to the end of our passage, but that isn't the end of the story. Do come back next week, and a little spoiler alert, you'll discover that Jesus didn't stay dead. And you should also discover that it was these women to whom Jesus first revealed that he was alive. Now, maybe you're here this morning joining us online, and you're thinking, I wish I knew more about Jesus. I don't feel I know God that well sometimes. Well, let this be uh, an encouragement to you. These women, they stuck by Jesus even when they didn't understand what was going on. Even when they thought he'd gone. They were the ones on the Sunday morning who went to the tomb wanting to honor their Lord. And they were rewarded. We should all be like these women. If any of us thinks that we've somehow got to know God enough, well, that's a really dangerous way to think. We need to humble ourselves. We need to come, keep coming back for more. Stick by him when things happen in our lives that we don't understand. Maybe things go, going on, even right now in your lives, that you just don't like very much. Stick by him. Things like that do happen. Now, they say that um, things will always turn out right in the end. And if it hasn't turned out all right yet, well, it's clearly not the end. Well, that's partially true. I mean, the Bible does say, I'm sure you're well aware of this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. These women, they love Jesus. 
And it did turn out pretty all right in the end. What about you? When Jesus died, did he divert God's judgment for you? When Jesus died, did he open the door for you? When Jesus died, was it so that you would one day be raised to eternal life, so that you would be forever with him in glory? Another irony. These women had taken care of Jesus' needs. Well, now he was taking care of theirs. And if you come to Jesus, if you come to Jesus, he will take care of yours. Shall we pray together? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning not as one who is dead, but as one who is alive, one who is in heaven, living and interceding for your people, people made holy by your blood, poured out for us. When we think about what it cost you, you chose deliberately to bear the Father's anger, which should have been directed at us. You made it possible for us to be forgiven, to know God, to be raised with him forever. When we think about the cross, we cannot thank you enough. Please help us to love you. Please help us to stick by you no matter what we go through, no matter what the cost. Thank you, Lord Jesus, my Savior. Amen.